Take a deep dive into the current world of media with Nick Hayes, founder and managing director of Media Stable. Nick shares how he spotted an opportunity in the changing media landscape to create Media Stable, which actively links experts and their views with media outlets to produce informed and trusted content. Through this conversation, Nick provides an insightful commentary on the full range of media platforms, from traditional forms of print, TV and radio, through to online and social media, as well as the changes in our consumer behaviours. Interestingly, Nick explains how, through a growing erosion of trust in social media content, there is the potential for people to return to the more traditional forms of media once they gain more awareness of the often questionable credibility and decide to become more discerning media consumers. We also spend time discussing the impact of content that is aimed at giving people what they want versus what they need, as well as the importance of real human relationships and interaction. Nick is a wonderfully engaging as well as knowledgeable man, which makes this conversation both entertaining and thought-provoking, and leaves the listener with the challenge to consider a more discerning consumption of media in a day-to-day life. So enjoy, Nick. Hello and welcome back to WA Real. I'm your host, Bryn Edwards. Media in all its forms and machinations of where we're going today with my guest, Nick Hayes. Nick, welcome to the show. G'day, Bryn. And uh, can I just say, I know this is an audio uh, forum, but I love the fact you're wearing your red waistcoat right now in the fact that, you know, in all the photos I've seen, there's the red waistcoat, but you wear it during these interviews. Yes. This, this is very impressive. Yeah, it's, 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 um, it's part of the state now. So uh, I, did, I, I studied NLP a long time ago, and it's part of the state. I put it on, and now I'm Bryn podcast interviewer i love it i love it it's, it's only miss it's only unfortunate that this is a west australian podcast in that the fact that the weather doesn't allow us to wear that wear a waistcoat outside yeah. too much you know you sh- this should be a victorian podcast or a, a european <laughs> podcast yeah well th- this one's actually <laughs> it was a present from a, from a mother or a few years ago and you'll note it back in england you know this is quite thick yeah so it's wool and one I, I i really feel like i need to get a tailor yeah. on the podcast so i can have like a, a thinner a thinner one, thin thinner down. summer version. Yeah. Do you know any good tailors? I do know. We've got a few experts that are Excellent. in the space that do talk this. So we uh, we might have to make a connection. Yes, let's do that. Awesome. So, Nick. <laughs> so one of the first things I like to um, talk to my guests about, because it's called WA Real, is how they came to be in Western Australia. Um, so you moved here over 20 odd years ago. Yep. From Melbourne for a job. Is it home now? Oh, it's definitely home now. Why is uh, that? I've got oh, I've got two children that are now West Australians. I've got I've got boys that uh, barrack for the West Coast Eagles and follow the Scorchers. Right. You know, I'm I'm a North Melbourne supporter. Um, I follow the Victorian Bush Rangers. Yeah. Um, so I've got a I, I have claimed West Australia as home now purely for the fact that uh, uh, I did marry a WA girl. Uh, like as I said, my boys are both West Australian, but I've been here long enough to feel that. West Australia is part of me. It's part. It's in. It's in my blood now. Mm. Um, there are certain aspects of Victoria, though, that I still love and adore, and still are part of me. Um, mm. And as I have mentioned, you know, I, I am a tragic North Melbourne supporter, which you know, it would probably have been a lot easier to start barracking for the West Coast Eagles here. Yeah. But, you know, if you're a real fo- follower of football, you never change your football club. So, no. um, you know, I, I've stuck with that. And you know, there, there's. I love going back to Melbourne. Melbourne Melbourne still feels very, very special to me, but Perth is home. WA is home now. So um, it's always nice to visit, but it's even better to come back home. Yeah. I've, um, so I've lived in WA now for coming up for 10 years, and I haven't spent a lot of time in Melbourne. Mm. What, what are the major differences for you, having grown up in one and living in the other now? Yeah, it it was. I think when what I said you miss in one and well, my family, all my family and friends yeah. are in Melbourne, and and that was really hard. It wasn't so hard back in the day to leave because it, this this Western Australia, this whole Perth, was one big adventure. This yeah. was you know I was a twenty five year old kid who was given a, an opportunity, or twenty six year old kid, twenty five I think I was, yeah, to to run a, a state office and you know to to get 
in and, uh, and, and, and get away from my parents, get away from my friends, get away from everything that I did know yeah. and, and just start off in this adventure. And it was, it was exciting. It, it was hard to leave, but at the same time, it was just a joy to. And then as time went on, I just went, this place is remarkable. You know, this I started referring to it as God's country. Yeah. Because having worked in, and I, I immediately the the minute I got over here, I work in media. Um, I remember my very first radio interview that I did, and uh, we were talking about the top issues that were happening around in WA, and um, uh, there was a, an arsenic spill down at Coburn Sound. Right. And as a Victorian, if you read the the word Coburn Sound, it reads like Cockburn Sound. Yeah. Oh. And of course to me when I arrived yeah well, I read it and I and I talked about it on radio and uh, I was very quickly corrected by the the radio presenter that it's uh, it's Coburn sound Nick and I said no no it says here Cockburn sound and we're having this argument here I am a Victorian been in here in the place what three weeks <laughs> yeah telling someone from Western Australia this is how to say your name but it's like very quickly you know it got part of it, it gets into your blood yeah, uh, Perth, and it was, and it was a remarkable um, uh, time just to really explore and see a space that one, it was out of my comfort zone, and two, um, to do it all on my own because yeah. everything I'd done up until then, sort of, you, you always had friends and family, you had fallback there. There was no yeah. fallback here. Yeah, so mm. it was, uh, it was the differences, um, you know, moving on and, and getting out of there. I think, um, you know. You, you, the, the chance, and you would have experienced this, you know, leaving your home country and, and town, is to to get out of your comfort zone, get away from family and friends that have been always there to support you. And I don't, and I'm not, not that I wanted to for any negative reason, but other than just to go out and do it on my own. Yes. And we got that opportunity to do it here. Absolutely. There's a certain amount of freedom here, both in terms of movement and space, but also opportunity to do things. Oh, and, and it hasn't, it, it's not Melbourne or Sydney. It, it, Western Australia has its own, it has its own identity. Now, you know, if you, I've lived in Adelaide for a year. Adelaide has no identity. And I'm sorry for all the Adelaide listeners that you have, but yeah. um, it's the, Adelaide's a mixture between Melbourne and Perth. It's not quite Perth in its relaxation, its lifestyle, etc. its beautiful beaches and wonderful climate. And it's not quite Melbourne in its business and its corporate approach to everything and, yeah. and you know, very vibrant in its cultural um, scene. So I feel sorry for those that live in Adelaide because you're not quite, you're not quite oh, Melbourne, not, not quite Perth. And Perth has that, uh, and, I, and I refer to it as God's country, has that feeling that, you know, I was working, but I never felt like I was ever working one day in my life. Yeah, you know, I just always felt like I was on holiday, running into the office, uh, you know, between eight and, and five, and and then just enjoying life. It was it's, it yeah. was an amazing experience to get over here. Awesome. So media is your game. Media is my game, indeed. Um, so where does the love of media come from in the next story? What is it about it? Okay, well, media, media. Funnily enough, when I was at university, I, I did a, a Bachelor of Arts majoring in psychology, and, oh, right. and media was my minor. Right. And, um, but media was the most fun part of going to university. Yeah. There was, you know, you were in a, uh, a lecture theatre with uh, a whole heap of young people that were determined to tell stories, um, that wanted to tell stories in a different way. The, the media and the medium of radio, television, and even print media was just, you know, it was phenomenal. It was, it was so exciting. Whereas psychology was so practical. There was so much theory that yeah. was thrown at you and you, were, you really felt like you were a student. You were back at doing it. And it was, media was just so much fun. And I never thought I'd ever get a job in media. I just thought that was just my minor. That's what I'll do. Yeah. Um, Life does throw you know spanners into the works now and then, and I'd, I'd done I had I had I did one year of university, then went and joined the army. So that was um, back in 1992. Um, there was Gulf War One had just happened, yeah, and uh, the government had realised that they didn't have enough troops in the <clears> system, <throat> so they started up a scheme called the Ready Reserve Scheme. Yeah. Now the Ready Reserve Scheme was was just to in- introduce an influx of five thousand, six thousand soldiers in one hit. So I did that, and uh, and that sort of interrupted my university 
uh, life. So as I came back to university after doing one year full-time and four years part-time, um, my whole uh, love of media sort of rose well above my love yeah. of psychology. I mean, psychology, I th- still think is fascinating. Anyone who's, who's a psychologist and I mean, just the study of the mind and behavior is just is phenomenal. But there was just a lot of work there that I wasn't prepared to do yes. back then. <laughs> so um, media very quickly became my major and uh, psychology became my minor along with maths. And um, I, uh, I thrived in it. I absolutely loved it and adored it and um, met some wonderful people along the way. And, and as I was finishing off my uh, degree, um, I sort of, I, I did a little, well, I end up joining the police force of all things. So I see where this, this podcast really does go off in tangents, it doesn't does, it? Doesn't it? <laughs> Once you start doing some self-reflection, you start yeah, going yeah, yeah. off. Well, then um, I'd finished my degree. Don't worry, I'm here to keep on track. I know, please do. <laughs> um, but before I'd finished my degree, I'd, I'd actually join the police force, the Victorian police force. And because yes. um, partly coming out of military a military life and then going into the uh, into university, I still had a, a, an appetite and desire to do something in that part in that yeah. pathway you like the uniforms I, well yeah and there's a gun on your side and you know you can you know, yeah. do all that no I, I i as a kid always wanted to to be a police officer and so i don't know why but um and uh, I've, i fulfilled that i got in and um hadn't quite finished my degree i was still a part of the the ready reserve and i just joined the police force so um that put a minor halt in finishing my my degree in media but uh uh, it wasn't a long halt because I was only in the police force for, for 12 weeks. Oh, weeks, yes. Yeah, 12 weeks. It's not a long time. I, I was 12 weeks into a 20-week uh, police academy course, uh, which uh, ended up me sort of departing and uh, resigning at week 12. Yeah. And uh, look, then after that, did a bit of Europe, European travel and then uh, and came back to my degree and finished it off. So that's how I got there. You took your time over this degree, didn't you? I did. I think most people do. Right. I don't know. If, I think back in the days, you weren't really. A lot of my friends, look, half of my friends decided not straight into the workforce. That's what they did. Um, a couple of my really dedicated and you know friends that concentrated on it, you know, finished their course in mm. the years that were required. But um, others were, you know, jumping in and jumping out. Mm. And I, I still, at that point, didn't quite know what I really wanted to do. Yeah. So you know, hence being in the army, then being in the police force. Still hadn't finished my degree, but after that, came back, finished it off, and um, and then and then I was I was working in hospitality for a little while, and I got an opportunity to work, or I applied for a job uh, for a media intelligence agency called Rehome, and um, they were, I mean they. They, they were just the leaders of what they were doing. They're, they're really, you know, if you think about it, anything that you say on radio, television or print media, businesses and governments want to know. So um, I got a role there as, mm. a, as a sales manager and um, that's where I sort of took what I learned and, uh, and put it into, into a, a media intelligence space, which was a slight different to producing radio and television yeah. to actually monitoring it. Yes. So it's uh, it was a, a different uh, different yeah. sort of position, different stance. But I got there in the end, and uh, since being doing media intelligence, uh, I did that for 12, 10 years here in Australia, and then three years in the UK. Came home and said, "No, nah, no more. Can't do it anymore. That's it. That's done. Done. I want to. I want to do something. I want to do more consulting. I want to yes. be a um, a part of other people's media journey more so than monitoring." What, what they've been doing. I'd Keep rather be a part and, and help them yes. uh, get in there. And that's, uh, and that's I suppose, where Media Stable yeah. uh, was founded and, and, uh, and has, has blossomed over the last eight years. Right. So tell me, what does Media Stable do? Okay, in so... In a nutshell. In a nutshell, and that's important, in a nutshell, uh, Media Stable is a platform for experts and commentators, people of business, people who uh, are good at what they do mm. uh, to project themselves into the media. So right. for media to be able to see who these people are. So if you were to compare it, it it's like a, a LinkedIn platform right. for media, media to find the right experts and commentators to work with. Yeah. And at the same time, we're also content producers ourselves. So right. we encourage our experts to... Um, 
put together content to feed into the media yes. so that the media can pick and choose what they so want to work with. it's both ways. Yeah. It's if got to go... flares up, they can come to you to find somebody to come up with an informed view. Yep. But at the same time, those people with the informed view can create content to create a story. Correct. Spot on. And, and it's, it's got to be two ways because the, the, the media itself, we saw it many, many years ago, almost eight years ago, was that the media resources were drying up, both mm. personnel and also too on a financial level. Yes. And there were less people working behind the scenes. Yeah. So what we wanted to go about and do is create a resource that uh, media could use, not just to find any old person, but find a qualified person. Yes. And also to to feed content of different ideas and different opportunities for them to go, you know what, I like that. Let's work with that. So a little bit different to a press release because most media today aren't reading press releases. Yes. These are just little snippets, little praises of mm. stories and yarns that they can work with and go, ooh, I like that. Let's yeah. work with that. And contact them directly. We stay out of it completely. And uh, that, How do you mean you stay out? Well, we, we, we provide all the contact details of the expert. So the, yeah. the media doesn't go via us. They go straight to the expert for commentary around the, right. the item that they've introduced. The other side of it is if, if the media is looking for, and in the case of um, just last week, uh, the, the Weekend Today show was looking for a leadership expert, you know, we put our best leadership expert in front of them. Yeah, and uh, send it over, and you know, within minutes they're booked to appear on yeah. on, on the Today Show. So that's the that kind of really thing. just thinking it through. That would really accelerate things then, for well, for the journalists and the media programs themselves. Yeah, um, yeah. Whilst also having the benefit of people who wouldn't normally get picked up and have the opportunity to share their gold nuggets and wisdom and things like that, it gives them an opportunity put something out to inform things further it does it does and, and it look the, the the media system it's not that it's broken it's just that it's not manned or uh to a level that it once was yes there's not someone sitting there standing by the fax machine remember the fax machine god, yeah 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 oh god <laughs> someone sent me something with a fax machine number and i go is they still around really <laughs> um awesome but but people is that, redund <laughs> is that redundant feature <laughs> on, on your multi-copier yeah. printer thing isn't yeah. it yeah. But it's but the the thing was back in the day there was a producer or there was uh, a, an intern that would sit by the 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 fax machine taking it off you know all the different pieces of content and, and information that was going around yeah. and 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 really go through it with a fine tooth comb to say oh this is a good yarn this is a good story let's yeah. work with this um, today you know ninety percent of emails that are sent to journalists. Are deleted before they before they're even opened. Yes, and that's because just all the amount of junk that's going on, mm. all the the amount of content that's not relevant that's sent through, um, also to a lack of understanding of how journalists work today. Yes, um, and that comes from from all levels, from public relations companies right down to business owners. And I, I suppose where Media Stable fits in is that we sort of know how they work. Yes, um, we've built relationships with them, and you know the days of relationships are still here. They're still yeah. there. Um, we, we work with those that we trust. We work with those that we've had content from before that we know that is, is going to be right. It's going to be uh, on the money. It's going to be correct. Yeah. Because we don't have any time to waste. We don't have any time to sift through. We are all time poor. Yeah. We, we, we at Media Stable just take that element out and yeah. make it a little bit easier. And, uh, and both media and the experts appreciate it mm. because um, we can help them become uh, better communicators. And for the media, we can help them get high quality content together. Because yes. they, they, they do tend to mess up now and then, the poor old media. Mm. Sometimes they're interviewing the wrong people. Sometimes, when, when I say the wrong people, people who say they are, uh, who they who they, uh, they on paper, but they're not actually that person at all. So Indeed. you know, we 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 we've we've worked hard to build that trusted resource there for them. There must be a a whole stack of people in relationship management in this. Then we've got it. We've we're only as in from media stable's perspective. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're, we're a team of five, um, yeah. and we work nationally across the country. Yeah. Uh, look. The perception there, we work with just over 270 experts at the moment. Um, not all of them are going to have media wanting to go out tomorrow. 
Mm. Um, and they've got structured systems there that, uh, you know, they're going to have key moments and times. But uh, relationships, the connections with relationships with the media, we, we work with 700 personnel across media that uh, know us and work with us um, and they are reaching out for content. But that's because we've, we've, we've actually built that relationship. Yeah. We've connected with them. And we've delivered. met with them. Um, and as long as our system and our service continues to deliver high quality, yeah. they'll continue to use it. The minute we throw a couple of curveballs in there or a couple of wrong ones, um, you know, we, we could fall bill. over. Hmm. Yeah. So what constitutes an expert for you? Then? Expert. Look, I've, I've, got a, I've got this vision of an expert that's someone who has been doing what they've been doing for 10 years right. as, a, as a minimum. Um, someone who uh, is either a leader or owns their own business, um, has the ability to make those decisions, um, has an opinion mm. um, that's, uh, that, that is supported with fact and evidence. Um, but the opinion's not always going to be the right opinion. Mm. You know, everyone's got a, the beautiful thing about what we've got is that everyone's got opinions. Oh yeah. Um, what we have here is how you argue it, how you sell it, and how you present it and put it forward. Um, the best opinions and the best media is when we've got two opinions, two opinions fighting each other. Yes. Because that creates the uh, the trouble. And when there's trouble, uh, we've got insane. really interesting media. Yeah. yeah. Correct. Because um, definitely what's not an expert is someone that wants to sit on the fence and, you know, you'll, you'll occasionally hear the word no comment. You know, that's not an expert. That's someone who just refuses to answer the question. Yeah. Um, an expert is someone who I, I, I strongly believe uh, has a passion and, 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 a, and a reason to want to uh, present their information or present their ideas and views uh, to a larger audience because they want to leave behind their thoughts and views. They are... Um, they want to make an impact. They've got to make an impact. They want to leave a legacy. They want to be someone who... Um, is prepared to do that and you've got to want to do it you've got to be good at it and you've got to be available and they're the other th- elements of a, yes. a good quality expert because the other side of it is is that if you're not available if you're not available to give your your expert opinion then um you know it's just silence at the end so there's lots of little elements behind yeah. an expert but I, I think that anyone who's who's qualified um and believes that they've got something to share and can back it with facts and evidence uh, we see them as the experts. Mm, mm. It's interesting that um, you know, there seems to be more and more of a focus on experts actually getting their views out there, um, as opposed to just sort of generally taking um, messages on board. Yeah. Now we're getting more and more focused experts, but at the same, it's interesting because at the same time. You know, with the advent of the internet and stuff, we can Google something and then we feel like we're the pub experts straight yeah. away. Yep. So how, yeah, I guess it's the interesting part there of how, how do you compete between an expert expert who actually, for want of a better phrase, knows their shit, yep. to the pub expert who's just Googled something. We all know, everyone that's listening to this will know a good pub expert. They'll, yeah. they'll know people that knows everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we've, and- we've all been in a dinner party. <laughs> Gone to the toilet, Google something, come back, and then being slightly <laughs> more knowledgeable 10 seconds later. Yeah, I, I think, look, the, definitely the, 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 the emergence of the internet and Google and, and everything along the lines there. Yeah. Social media has been incredible for that because, you know, there, were, there was once a time when those that aren't the experts that could voice their opinions and position, and it was very quickly lost because it was lost in the pub. There was no, yeah. there was no recourse. There was no follow up. There was no mm. um, amplification of any of the the content that they mm. produced. It's now social media's allowed this. Yeah, and there were in the pub, you get some very solid, real human feedback, like your mate saying, "Yeah, that's crap." Yeah, <laughs> and that's called the pub test. And that's, uh, yeah, and that's real. Yeah, like that, that's genuinely real. You get the feedback, the body language, everything. Yeah, and, and you know what? I, I think you know we we do, and I, I you're going to hear something crazy from me saying I think we're going to revert back to that. Yeah. You know, I, I think that uh, there is certain things that are going on in media today that, and particularly in social media, that the, the trust element has been lost. In that everyone seems to be have a position they think they've got an expert opinion on, um, they've got a say in it, and I, I believe everyone should have a say. Everyone should have an opinion 
But the biggest challenge right now is the, the expert opinion of people, the expert position mm. uh, of people. Who is the trusted person? Who is the trusted uh, advice that we should be listening to? You know, we're, we're discussing issues in media today around climate change. We're discussing issues around the Australian bushfires. You know, yeah. we're, we're talking all things around what Donald Trump talks about in fake news. Donald Trump only calls fake news because it's news he doesn't want to hear. Yeah. You know, that's a, it's a quick slander there for that. But in, in, for some elements, though, of social media, there is a lot of fake news. Hmm. You know, it's constructed for a particular purpose and message. You know, news, I, I, the reason I think that we will return back to a form of, or the reason why traditional media like radio, television and print and online, they still cover the, the four pillars of journalism. They still believe there's quality control checks that need to what take the place. Pillars? The four pillars? So, oh, now you're going to test me on this one. Right. <laughs> um, but the, the, it's the four, it's, for journalists, they have to follow four protocols around anything that they're presenting. And it's take out the opinion. It's, it's around the, um, uh, the source, the identification, the truth behind any of the sources that they're receiving it from. It's the quality control checks that take yes. place uh, at the editorial space and end. You just can't put anything on radio. You just can't put you anything can't on TV. Yeah. Well, you hear, you hear it, but um, even still, there is quality control checks and, and even legal ramifications yes. around what you're putting on there. But on the internet, it's free for all. Yes. So, you know, <laughs> there will come a time when we start, people will start getting, uh, there'll be criminal actions, there'll be slanderous actions, libelous actions taking place for people taking and making accusations around people on the internet. I, I, I think that the internet has turned us into, while well, I see us moving uh, as a platform where there's a platform of high good like there is mm. there is you know things that we've seen that you know people raising money for the Australian bushfires uh, incredibly well through social media but I don't think that actually makes up for all the bile and spew that is yes. in social media uh, generally I mean there really is a lot of content and information out there that you sit there and you go what are these people actually thinking when yes. they're sending it out oh yeah um they think they're faceless, but the rea reality here is that you're not. Mm. That we can pin you back to exactly who you are and what you stand for. And some people want their 15 seconds of fame. They want to do it and they want to get retweeted and pushed out and amplified further. But the reality here is is that um, a lot of the information they're putting out is just it's not right. And also too, it's it's ugly. I mean, yeah. I really sometimes you just want to have a break from social media because you go seriously. Are they, this is what people are thinking. No. Nah. I can't. You can't put up with it. Sad indictment if that's where everybody is. Oh, it, it, it's a miserable, miserable mm. place. I, 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 one of my first tweets for the year was, can people just calm the farm? You know, <laughs> yes. like, sincerely, you're not going to get through 2020 if you're going like to be like this. People's, people's uh, heart rate must be up like through mm. the roof. Blood pressure Anxiety must be going levels. wrong. And it, you would think that we're living in the worst of times. I, I personally think we're living in the best of times. And yet people just want to get in, they want to get negative. They just yeah. want to, you know, feel, they want to throw, I, I've got a bit of a theory, and this might be the psychology side behind coming from me, is that um, they want to throw mud and, and th throw things out there to forget about how their life's going and how maybe they're heading down, their path's heading. Yes, they want to have a th go at everyone else except for having a little bit of an introvert look into mm. to what they're doing in their own life, and uh, yeah, I, I just feel that's that's social media at the moment. It's uh, it's there's not the nicest place. Um, I've been doing a bit of sort of listening to a particular a couple of particular sources and mulling it on mulling on myself particularly having done the number of podcasts that I have and I, I get the sense at the moment you know if we're going to look at social media that there's almost an identity crisis going on within people yep. whereby they really don't know who they are when they're getting bombarded by so much stuff yep. from so many different places you get all these slithers of the top 1% of excellence in people's lives and then you stick them all together and constantly compare yourself against that and yep. then oh my life's not quite like that yep. I don't look like that I don't drive that car like that Yep. and then there's all this bile on there as well you're not getting that instant feedback like you do when you make 
in the pub goes, that shit, Nick. Yeah. You know, and so people's form and, and identity at one level is going through an enormous crisis. Yeah, but Brent, if you said that was shit to me, Nick, and we're having a beer, yeah. well, I'd take that on board and yeah. I'd take that for real. Yeah. The problem is that there's faceless people out there that have throw mud at you. Yeah. And you and, and some people, are, and, and the majority of people, we, we, we take it in. We, we start getting affected by it. Yeah. Whereas they're actually just the keyboard warriors that are sitting there having yeah. a crack at everything. Yeah. You know, I've been amazed, um, you know, I've, 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 I should let it know. I, I do work for quite a few different organisations that are the focus of a lot of media. So in in the case of, I work for a little uh, organisation called the Sheep Collective. Now, the Sheep Collective is a, a, a group of farmers. They're a group of transport people. There's those that are exporting, like the live sheep trade. And yeah. you know, obviously that's been under fire oh. by the media uh, across the board. But when they came to us and, and, and sat down also to with another media agency, they just said, look, we just want to change change the narrative we don't get a voice in all of this yes because only one side's ever told let us tell can we tell our story and when you go back and have a look at the story and the and and the way that it all mm. plays out you go hey and I, i've got to say from the beginning i, I was skeptical about it myself because i was also subject to that one-sided conversation yeah. i said look i'm not sure i really want to take this on but you you listen to the to the people you listen to to their side of the story and you go you're right you have a right to talk about this you have a right to tell your side of the story because this has been completely missed so animal activists you know they've got a particular role and job they love their animals i get it but also too we've got a, a job and a role to to keep this country going and there is people to feed and you know whether you're a vegan or not i'm sorry but i love my meat and i'm going to eat it and so does the rest of the world but the way that that story was being told was uh, we, we managed to push it out in a different way. We managed to start communicating it mm. so that media took advantage and took the opportunity to have a look and go, hey, this isn't what that lot over there have been saying it's, it is. Mm. This isn't the, the, the dredge or, you know, drudge of, of humankind dealing and maltreating animals oh, yeah. to all levels. Actually, it, it's a very different story. Mm. And... That, to me, it was an opportunity there to go, look, everyone has a story. They should be telling it. Um, it's just sometimes some voices are louder than others. Yes. And it tends to be those with the littlest of following or the more negative tend to shout out the loudest. And we've got a real problem here, Bryn, because the problem is, is that the politicians listen to this stuff. They actually yes. listen to what's going on in social media. And I, I think that they've got to completely step back from that. Mm. Start leading like they used to. Start yeah. making decisions around... Leading you know, with some legacy in mind. Well, correct. But also to make some tough decisions. Mm. Don't worry about what Twitter says. Don't worry about what Facebook's going on. If you've got the right... If you've made the right decision, you'll get rewarded for it at the end of the day. And I think sometimes social media, they, uh, they, they live on the... Uh, where, where they, you know, the, the old diet days of traditional media where the newspaper came out once a day. You know, you had a 24-hour yeah. chance to soak it all in and make some very good decisions. Mm. You know, we some live on a minute. Reflect. Yeah, it's some time to reflect. It's interesting, though. I never thought about that. There's no now ref- it's just on, on, It's minute on, by minute. On, on, on. Minute second by minute. Second. Correct. Second by second. Millisecond by millisecond. Yeah. It's who, and they're, and they're making decisions and policy on the run that you sit there and you go, you know what? If we had, you know, if John Howard was probably the last of the prime ministers here in Australia that wasn't so subject to what was going on in social media, um, he was. He it was he. Facebook had just emerged during his um, prime ministership, and um, you know the the other social media platforms were starting to emerge. But he was able to make decisions and reflect on them. Mm. And I think that was probably, if you go back in time, you know, our decade of poor leadership from from federal government wise has also also correlated with the fact that we've had the emergence of social media Mm. they're too worried about lining their own pockets and getting re-elected than they are about governing and leading yes and you know look i don't want to put social media down to the point that it is the you know it's it's the killing of humanity it's nothing like that at all social media has so many positive Mm. um, aspects behind it it's 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 playing playing a role it's playing too big a role Brent. yes and that, and that is what probably, you know, most in newspapers, radio and television will say is that the advertising spend has headed over towards social media as opposed to, you know what, people still trust print media. They still trust 
radio and they still trust TV. Mm. They're just not viewing them as much. And that's the challenge there for the media houses is to go away and say, well, how do we bring you back? Yes. And the only way they can bring them back is still continue building that trust and that those real news stories. Because what you're reading and seeing on Facebook, I can assure you, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Don't take it with a grain of salt. Take it with a bag of salt. Yes. Because, you know, there is a good chance that what you're reading or seeing or, or viewing is, is just not right. And, um, and I get back to the four per- pillars of journalism that I haven't been able to account for you. <laughs> but the, the, the quality control check that is around there, yeah. there is protocols that journalists have to take to do what they're doing. Mm. Now, we all know that certain media has bias. There's no denying that. Yeah. You know, the West Australian, Seven West, and you know, what, what, what Mr. Stokes has implied and what he will do is very different to that of a, uh, a Channel 9 or, let's say, um, a, 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 a News Corp. Uh, publication. They've all got different positions. Murdoch, you know, we've only just seen it in recent times that um, Murdoch's son is, is having a crack at him for all the all the news and information that he's putting through his newspapers on climate denial. Um, you know, they are, they have a position, but we know that. Yes. On social media, we don't know their mm. position, and that's when sometimes we can get a little bit distorted. Mm. So that's one of my bugbears, Bryn. I, I, I sort of I get frustrated around social yeah. media in some cases, but I, I'm a participant in it. I very yeah. much still play in, 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 in Facebook, Twitter, and, and, uh, and even LinkedIn. I don't, I don't sort of see that as a social media platform. I see that as a, as a social working network. But, yeah. um, you know, Twitter, Twitter has its pros and cons, but it's, um, there's, there's just a little bit too much con than pro. Mm. There seems to almost be a lack of conscious usage. Good, good point. I think that you know, people more unconscious, you know, um, kind of when you're participating in it, who's driving the bus, you or your 12-year-old self? Yeah, I think, I think that there, there seems to be in a perception that there is a lack of either responsibility or the repercussion on anything that we're saying but you know there's a little thing that we used to we say in media you know don't say it well to anyone really you know, don't say anything that you wouldn't say to your grandmother yeah. and you know if you if you're prepared to go beyond that then be prepared to take the repercussions that come with that yeah because you know we're, we're seeing people getting sacked for posts that they're putting on facebook and and on social media yeah and you think oh that's my personal life well yeah. no you're putting your personal life in a public arena and that will reflect on the brand if the if if that's the way they feel about it. Yeah, and and rightly so because you now you've got an international stage, you've got a global stage here that's sitting here that anyone can go away and 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 view. Uh, you know, you're in trouble if you if you've decided to do that, and we've got a certain Israel Folau, who's a, a rugby player who, who wants to put his personal beliefs above everything else, and and that reflects poorly on the brand, although. That particular brand didn't do itself much favours either in its way that it handled it. But no, um, you know, it's everything's so global. We're we're looking over the fences. It was once a day you could look over the fence to your next door neighbour. Now you can look over the fences of every neighbour. True, and that's a little frightening. Hmm. So where where are the traditional channels of media now? You mentioned earlier on the the TV, radio, print where are they now they've they're in a position where they've lost their core market their core audiences to the the social the online side yeah. and they've it's a highly competitive space like even us right now we're doing a podcast yes this is competition for radio okay yeah. whether radio likes that or not but you know podcasting has grown right across the globe mm. because now as a consumer now it, what has ha- happened is that the broadcasters have now it, the whole mm. system's been flipped because the, the the internet allows us to click on the content that we wish to yes. peruse or at the time that we decide yes not when channel 9 decides to put it on you know married at first sight at 7:30 yes uh, because i know that's one of your favorite programs for oh, absolutely but you know they tell you the time that you're going to be viewing and watching yeah whereas now today we don't go at 9:30 i might 7:30 i'm going to mm. watch it at 10:30 when mm. I, when it's my time yeah. You know, when I've gone down to the pub and had a few beers with the boys, I'm going to go back and watch it. And big fan of Merit at first sight, I must say. Not really. Um, no. But, uh, you know, but we are, we are click 
we're now we're clicking as on as consumers. It's it's in our time. We've got control of that. Yeah. And that's where the likes of Netflix and 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 the emergence of all mm. those online platforms have now said, right, if you want it, just click a button for it. Yes. Whereas broadcasters never had that, and they're getting their act together. They're becoming um, better at that. They're they're allowing for online, you know, replay and callback. So they're getting better. They were just a bit slow off the mark. Yes, you know, print is a funny old beast because you know there were, we used to call print media the the rivers of gold in advertising. Remember when you used to pick up a Saturday paper, and you, you'd literally have to get a um, a forklift to take it home. Yes. it was the size of your your telephone book. <laughs> yes. Remember a telephone book print? I do. Remember the telephone books the yellow pages strong men <laughs> ripping them well those things don't exist anymore no but they were the rivers of gold because there was every little line that was there that was about 90 uh, you know uh, $9.95 for every single line that was in there it was the it was just pure uh, money-making uh, opportunity but now it's all online so newspapers are thinner but the thing is with newspapers and, and, and how we consume them is that we can consume them anywhere mm. and uh, uh, we can take that information. And, and newspapers too, to where they missed the boat with online was the fact that they gave it away for nothing mm-hmm. for such a long time and now all of a sudden paywalls are coming up and they're expecting us to pay for it. Yeah. Now, we will start paying for it again, for sure, but it'll take a generation for that to happen because they gave it to us for nothing and it takes a little bit for us to to return back. Mm. But radio is still growing. Radio is still emerging and particularly in a country like Australia where, you know, what's the first thing you do when you get in the car? You you, you chuck on the radio. Or if you're not listening to WA Real, there's a podcast. So, you know, that's the first thing you do. And we still, as just the nature and the geographic position that we are, we, we have to do that and yeah radio is beautiful too because as a medium you can listen and do two things at once whereas television and and print media you've got to really just sit down and concentrate um it's still vibrant it's there's still a lot of energy in there and, mm. and I, I mentioned earlier that the, the resources have been cut both on a financial and a human uh side of it but there's still an appetite to deliver high quality information and and content through those and they still got audience and and the audience is still those that are the decision makers those with the purse strings yes you know those that are, are, are making big financial decisions are still consuming traditional media yeah um, they're still getting their head around social but we've got generations now that are, have never paid for a newspaper hmm. but Brent I never paid for a newspaper until I was 28 no I never paid for a newspaper you know why I wasn't that interested in it and unless I was reading the sports pages yeah um, because until you start buying cars and homes and stuff like that and become part of the the big you know societal machine, machine yeah. that, that that builds, you, you you tend not to. So there's all little different arguments there. But I think that the I think that media has and I talked about it earlier that it might the whole system may flip. Is that we're going to get to a point, a critical point, where uh, what we're hearing and seeing on on social media. Is, is going to be way too much for us. We're just not going to be able to cope with it. Yes. And we're going to go back to the sources that we trust. And the big challenge for all the media houses is to continue to produce high-quality content, um, good news, news mm. that is, is, is real, and news that the people need to hear, not necessarily want to hear. Yes. And that, there's a real difference there, what they need to hear as opposed to what they want to hear. Now, that's really interesting because that led me to another question I've got for you about content in general. I, several years ago, made a conscious decision, about five or six years ago, I made a conscious decision to, A, reduce the level of coffee I was drinking, but also the level of just media because I just felt I was given a whole lot of Stuff that just wasn't nourishing me. Yep. And it felt like it was stuff like stuff that the base level of, I'm going to sound arrogant here, but the base level of people probably wanted to hear when I wanted to hear the stuff that I felt I needed to hear and mm. I just didn't know where to go. Yep. And that was one of the reasons that led me to create WA Real and create the vehicle that opens the door to be able to have conversations with experts want a better or people who've got stories and their opinions mm. and so I can get that real nourishing um, exchange of views and ideas and content um, so for some time I've, I've probably disparagingly looked at the media 
with the internet involved in that as well mm. as just being undernourished and giving people what they want at a base level you know and that takes me almost back to Roman times of how to become the next emperor we'll give them 30 days of games and then they'll vote yes, for you yes you know give them bread and then they'll vote for you you know and oh how do we get our way out of that um, it, it, it's a tough because you're almost saying right no more are we going to watch Married at First Sight yeah <laughs> which I'll be honest is that just is the basis to me personally is the basis level of TV I'm going to be really blunt with you a lot of reality TV I look at it and go yeah. And I've got a degree in psychology as well. Oh. Um, uh, but I just. You managed I, to get just past the four years of it. Yes, I, I, did. I, I got past I the first. Masters as well. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I look at that and go, oh, for fuck's sake. There are so many other things in the world. Yep. So many other things, not even in the world, like the Middle East or anything. So many things in the world, probably within 10, 10k radius of where you are, that is going on. That can expand your horizons, mm. that can be nourishing, and introduce you to perceptions that are bigger and greater than yourself, which will then means that you can find newer and greater things about yourself. I, I think this is this is exactly the, the issue, and I, I think sometimes when you're looking for content that is going to, as you say, nourish your soul, you know, build your opportunities, you you've got to look far. And there's, there's a lot of content that's sitting in you and what we call the old clickbait material you, to yeah. get your attention and say, I really want that. Now, how many of us out there today have clicked onto a, an article or a, something there and then realized that the thing, this did not deliver anything that I would oh, thought it might have? More or, often than not. More often than not. And, it's, and that's the challenge there for traditional media is to stay away from that. That's what it's competing against. You know, mm. we, we are... Uh, we're funny, you know, you, your psychology side, we're funny human beings. We just need to know everything or want to know everything. But I think the other side of it is is that we can blame media for this, but can we? Because at the end of the day, it's the audience that yes. has created this media and this machine yes. that it is. And in many ways, the media is just catering for the masses. Mm. Unfortunately, Brent... There's a feedback, attention. It thing. is. And that they're, they're monitoring this in real time. They can see what people are attracted to and what's going to. Yeah. And they're the numbers that they use to apply over to the advertisers and say, we can get you this amount of click-through. You can get me this click-through. I love the word click-through, but where's the engagement? Where is the connection? Where's yeah. the relationship? And I think in the basic fundamentals the of... the impact and outcome yes, you want to there, derive. There is none of that. This yeah. is all just... You know, I, I, right at the very start of this, and I review it frequently, right at the very start, I sat down before I did a single episode. I went, right, there are three parties in this. There is guest, me, listener. Yep. And being an ex-management consultant, I then went, right, so what do I want to deliver for each of those three... And then what do I want them to do with that? And how is that going to shape the life? So I, I, I can see where this goes yep. on, like our conversation today. So the, num- the number one thing for any, any, any publisher, broadcaster, podcaster is always about audience. Mm. What is it that the audience wants and what can I give the audience? And the, the difference is about what they want or what they need. And I think that all of us need, we want, we want something that will give us, make our days a little bit better. Yep. Uh, something that might educate us, yep. something that might uh, improve our lives. And, yep. that's, and that's what we're looking for. And that's what media yeah. generally is after, something that yeah. is going to improve lives, make their lives better, um, and, and educate them to, to, to do something or get something that they wouldn't have got if they had they not listened or watched or viewed what, the, what, what yes. has just gone on there. So if they can continue with that, if media can continue with that, the social media side of it and all the noise that goes on there, a bit like you and I, we're probably a little bit more aware of this, but we'll start becoming more discerning about where we put yes. our time and energy into. And I think there is a movement for that. Yes. You know, a lot of people, it's funny, Facebook is, people are starting to jump off it. Yes. Um, Twitter, is numbers are declining. Yes. You know, the reason being is that we can only, a critical yes. mass got there, but they went, to what level? To what level do we do this? And I think, you know, traditional media has that chance if it can just keep delivering um, to regain that audience back and that trust value. I mean, trust trust has been thrown out the door a, a lot here. You know, we've seen a lot of things that are going on, but I think social media is killing trust. 
and traditional media still has that opportunity to hold it. Regain, well, retain. Well, and ret- retain and, and also to grow. gain and grow in the yeah. future. And, that, and I think that's the big news for, for media. The platforms for which we're watching it, reading it on, a, on paper, a newspaper on paper, is, is gone. Yeah. You know, environmentally, we just can't continue to do that. Yeah. Uh, it's not sustainable. And also, too, it's not quick enough. Yeah. Um, but we've all got we've oh, all we don't got screens in it anymore. So no, we don't. So. <laughs> I can't use that saying anymore. Yeah. You know, yes. Tomorrow's chip wrapper. <laughs> yeah, today's news is tomorrow's chip wrapper. I've got actually you're English, so you you probably did actually no, originally yeah. have chips yep. in newspapers. I never did. They used to use uh, yeah, but um, <laughs> that would be that would be glorious because I'd love to, to have eaten my fish and chips and then read uh, yesterday's uh, articles. But the yeah. um, no, I think w- there is a real opportunity, a real chance. For traditional media to do that and i might be the optimist in that side of it i might be not mm. as pessimistic around you know the 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 the, the fall of traditional media but the, the only reason traditional media has fallen is that its advertising dollars have fallen okay yeah. so you know our, and our consumer behavior has changed yes and and rightly so and it changes as you go through mm. you know that when television you know emerged they said that was the death of radio radio is going up Yes. And the reason radio is going up because it still delivers high quality and it allows human beings to engage with it uh, while doing something else. So yeah. it's, it's a very, you know, that, that was 50 years ago, you know, that, and, it's still on and it's still going. So, and, and there was one other one, Bryn, I, I know I, I do procrastinate going into different tangents, but there's a classic photo of a whole line of kids, just heads in their screens, heads yes. in their phones. They're just consumed by it. But there was there was one f- other photo that was lined up from the 1950s of a whole line of kids and, and and adults all consumed by their newspaper, heads into their newspaper. Yeah, it's just that we see the screen as the evil enemy today yes. because we think, oh my God, we've been utterly we are, but it's just there is this that much on it. Yes, and you you just yeah, it's hard to pull your eyes away from it. Indeed, indeed. Um. What have you learnt about yourself in your journey with the media and media sale? Um, oh, look, relationships. I, I think when I left the when I left Reheim and the media monitoring side of it, I was always a salesperson. So you know that was I was in that sales side of the the industry, and um, that that was always a little bit. Uh, uh, I think you, you, I think any salesperson out there tries not to think themselves as a salesperson. Yeah, but um, you know. Yeah, that moving away to media stable where we were now consultants and moving from a sales to consultants I was really really powerful for me because I really felt that what did that give you oh, it, it gave me the ability not only to for the outcome as a salesperson was always there you were thinking this is what I need to achieve these are the goals whereas as a consultant you now were thinking more around the person at the other end. Yes. What their goals were, what they wanted to go away and yeah. achieve. And that was a real turnaround for me. Because yeah. it, you know, we had certain targets to reach and go yeah. for. There were numbers. There were numbers. It was a numbers game. Hmm. But now more so, and, and don't get me wrong, we are still in a sales environment as well oh, with 100%. Media Stable, but um, we're more interested in how what is it that you want to achieve and how can we help you achieve it. And when we're working together on that, we get the best possible outcomes. Because like media stable just can't put anyone on there. Mm. You know, I, if I put a dud on there, yeah. that reflects not on the dud; it reflects on me. <laughs> yeah. yes. And you know, we've had a couple of them. I, yeah. I won't name and bring, but there's, no. a, there's a couple here in Western Australia. Um, you, yeah. you, you sort of just have to, you know, say, look, that's just it's just not going to fit with what we're doing and and how we go about it. But um, I think for me personally, growing as from a, a salesperson to a consultant has been a remarkable opportunity hmm. because um, I, I I can sleep well at night. Yeah. It was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I feel like I've achieved okay, something. Okay, with the mirror brushing your teeth. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, I, I never had a real issue back in the days when I was doing the sales side of it because I was actually not just achieving for the business that I was working for, but I was achieving, I suppose, for the client. But they had a different requirement. They had a different need. Mm. It was very much more transactional. Yes. Whereas this is far more relationship and consultative based. And yes. I, th- I thoroughly enjoy that more. So there's multiple wins around the table yeah. with what you do today. And the other side of it is we're in the education game as well. So yeah. we, we want to educate and help people be better at what they're doing. You know, only yesterday we were running a workshop that was designed to not 
people to join Media Stable. It was designed to help them do it on their own. Right. And, and that might, you know, many will say, and I've had many people say to me, go, why do you give people all this uh, IP? Why do you give them all this content for them to, to do it on their own or even shorten their experience with you, only stay on with you for 12 months, not for three years, four years, five years? Yeah. I said, but their goals have been achieved. If they've reached their personal goals and their time's done, my time's done with them. You yeah. know? And those that I'm teaching to work with the media, yeah. if, if we can give them the toolkit to do it, you know, they know that we're the ones that have given it to them. If they want to expand on that further, then mm. they can come and utilise the services mm. that we have there. But I think, you know, you know I work in an industry... It's hardly marks value, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I do work in an industry that there is a lot of smoke and mirrors behind it. But since the, since the internet, since everything that's moving on, those smoke and mirrors have disappeared. It's far more visible and it's back to basics. Mm. It's back to relationships back to high quality content, high, you know, good information and people that are, are passionate about what they do. And that's, that's what we're looking for. And, and if we continue to deliver it, we, we continue to do well. I think I, I think I answered your question, but I think I, I really thoroughly enjoyed the transition from yes. sales to consultancy in a long-winded way there, Bridge. <laughs> Indeed. That was lovely to hear. Um, what are the net, what, have you got any goals for the next three to five years for yeah, yourself look, and Media Stable? Yeah, Media Stable, I'd like to take it international. I mm -hmm. think um, the model works. And uh, funnily enough, I've just come back from a European trip with the family and um, uh, did get a chance to go and meet a few agencies that are over there that have an appetite for what we're doing. The, what, our model is, no, is nowhere else. So, really? Yeah, it, it, and I, I sort of... I sort of knew it wasn't, but... I... Because, because to me, it just makes bloody sense. Yeah. <laughs> right. It well, just, it's just, it just, there you go. you got these experts. Da, da, da. There you go. It's, it, you know, oh, it, <laughs> we, know, we knew it. We know it doesn't exist here in Australia. It's fascinating. And, you know, if you would have, it was, we flipped the system around the PR element, but we also flipped the system around, look, those that don't necessarily have big budgets to work with media can still work with it. You know, some of the best voices are unheard because they're competing against people with, you know, 100, 150K PR budgets. Hmm. Um, but no one else was doing it. But what we, oh, back in the day when we were in our early days, we were getting calls from media going, do you know a good family law lawyer? Do you know a good naturopath, nutritionist? Yeah. And we could see that it was on both sides were needing it. Experts wanted to be up there and media wanted it. And why no one else was doing it? But also too, I had a PR company that I was working, that I was doing, that I was making very good money that I'd work with five or six clients and make just as much money as I'm working with the 200 odd clients I'm working with now. Mm. So it's a scale system as well, but um, no one else was prepared to go away and do it. So right. that connection and bridge uh, hasn't uh, hasn't been done before, and it's not been done in Europe. Um, it's been done in a lesser degree in North America, but you know we'll see how it goes. But getting it right here is first and yeah. foremost, and we're we're, we're eight years. Have a blueprint. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, the Perth Perth and WA is is our fortress. It's our home. Um, you know, my director of media engagement is the former program director at Six PR. Hmm. Um, you know, I've got high quality people that have been working in media right across. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but there's something beautiful about the isolated nature of Perth, which means you can go and really test something yep. in the close environment. You know, the was it the 1.8 people million people that live in metropolitan Perth? Yeah, um, it's not difficult to find somebody and 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 test it, test it, test it, test it before you release it to the world. Oh, absolutely, and the, and the opportunity also that presents to people like myself. I mean, you know who. Who would let a Victorian 25-year-old uh, onto radio and, and trying to tell the presenter at the other end that it's Cockburn sound, not yeah. Coburn sound? Exactly. You know, um, opportunity here in WA is enormous. Yes. You know, and, and you're right. It is a little fortress. It's so distant from everywhere else that you can test these. And if you get it right in this environment, you can take it national yeah. and you can take it global. 
So in many ways, this is where it all started. We mm. have taken it national. We're doing extremely well. It is a little bit difficult sometimes taking calls at 4.30 in the morning from Sydney who have no regard for our three-hour time difference during this wonderful time we call Daylight Saving. But, uh, well, they have daylight saving. We have the lack of it. But, yes, um, you know, yeah, because they're cows in our, you know, our curtains. curtains will anyway. fade. Let's not get on that. But, um, yeah, I, I think if you get it right here, you can pretty much take it anywhere. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're a bit fickle, West Australians. We're a bit parochial. We love our little space and environment, you know. We will succeed one day. No, we won't. Um, you know, we, we are yeah. very much a, 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 a fortress. And if you can get it right in the fortress, uh, you, can go, you can go beyond it. Indeed. Yep. Um, this must get heady stuff working in this space. What do you do to keep yourself grounded? Um, oh, look, if... I've got, a, I've got a couple of funny little quirky things I like to do. Um, one, I've got a, I've got grass out the front of my place in Karanup that is dead now because I've been away, but uh, I love growing my grass. I'm very proud yeah. of my grass. So I do get out in the garden a little. I'm not a green thumb or anything like that. I, yeah. I do enjoy that. I, um, my boys, I've got a nine and seven-year-old who are passionate about everything and, and there's not much time outside of that bit. but I, I, I love hanging out with them and yeah. um, you know we're, we're, we're at nippers every Sunday uh, it's footy during footy season it's they do ninjas they do everything all sorts of activities and and that and that's the kind of stuff it's the, the family that brings you together I'm really fortunate my wife is actually um, is a, a teacher and the our ability to to uh, during school holidays etc really does help the fact that we can get our jobs done both our jobs done and uh, and in my line of business i'm a bit more flexible with my hours so um we can get to those activities that probably a lot of parents can't oh, get to yeah. and uh no that, that's a part I, I thoroughly enjoy i'm not a, i'm not I, I like going to the gym as, as you can see i'm i'm, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm built like a brick uh, proverbial, but uh, no, I'm not. I'm. Uh, I, I do just. I. I just. I like to exercise. I like to get out um, in the sun. Um, I prefer Melbourne climate, probably more so than Perth. I'm not a big fan of the hot weather, uh, and it yeah. does drive me mad. Here when, you, when it fires up, here you sitting in your red waistcoat, and I'm sitting in my full suit. Um, it's with aircon. <laughs> with aircon on, thank heavens. But um, you know. Uh, I do. I just. I just enjoy being around uh, um, the environment that is Western Australia. It's just so much fun, and we, and and most people are happy, and and you, it, it pleases me. That's the little things. It's just being here just mm. pleases me, and uh, and keeps me um, grounded. Mm. And the the last question I ask my guests is um, if you could take one little nugget of information and upload it into the collective consciousness so everyone just gets it what would that be oh it's great it's a great one i think i think we've got to get back to being um build back to relationships and back to the mm. human connections that that we seem to have, have thrown out with the bathwater yeah. many many years ago i think the, the the one thing that i'd like to see more of and and this is probably my disdain for social media is that we've distanced ourselves from that actual connection you know yes. the ability for you and i to do this you know yes. eye to eye talking and having a chat is is so rare these days yes. people are not doing this so if i was to give one little nugget and and and, and to to let everyone uh, get out get out and converse with your fellow human beings mm. um, take that time and effort it, it comes back and repays you yes it fills your soul with you know it's, it's nourishing and healing at one level oh, absolutely so while we haven't been listening to the radio or consuming you know dailymail.co.uk sort of thing we, we're, we're having a conversation and and two human beings are talking now um, you know I've been talking a lot of rubbish right now Bryn, and you can <laughs> no, take it in <laughs> You can take it in for you can make that decision though, but yes. you know, and I think that's the sort of thing that I'd, I'd like to see more of because if there's one thing that we know in my game, it is all about relationships and trust. And I think that trust has been left at the door in a lot of the uh, family life, uh, business life, anything. 
um, we, we, mm. we, we, we are now doubtful around where, yeah. uh, we are, where we are. But I think if we can come back to that connection relationship and build that trust back up, that's what I'd like to see more people doing. It's, that's the, the little nugget I'd like to leave people with is get out and make an effort. Awesome. Nick, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Bryn, I could go on for hours. Let's do. Let's keep going. No, yeah. no. You can no, come back another day. It's a real pleasure. No, and look, and what you're doing is fantastic too. And, Thank you. And from a media perspective, um, I, I feel that uh, podcasting, and I, I've been in podcasting myself for, mm. for many years, um, it's remarkable how much... Um, if you take the time and effort and energy to extract someone's, you know, in media, you've got 60 seconds or in, in most cases in a news piece, you've got seven seconds to deliver your soundbite. Yeah. Um, podcasting allows it not like to just be soundbites. We're now talking really getting in behind people yeah. and finding out who they are and what they're about. And this is, this is the medium that I think many people want a bit more long form yes. kind of media, not the little snack size bites that they're getting i find um certainly in the early part of wa real i had a lot of people saying oh it's great but could you edit it down and i was sort of like no oh it was frightening for me to think that i'm going to be sitting here for potentially 60 minutes to 90 minutes talking but you go uh, because i've never done anything over well i do occasional bits on radio you know 30 60 minutes Mm. but there's that many ads in there between you're really only talking for about four yeah so i mean i i got I also got, in the early days, interviewed on uh, Fremantle Radio right. about the podcast. Yep. And um, I was asked, you know, who's the podcast for and who's it not for? And my first response was, it's not for people with short attention spans. Yeah. Do you, how many people do you reckon have got through this? Is it, sorry? How many people do you think have got through listening to this point in the podcast? I, I don't know. Jeepers. We'd have to. I'll, I think it's I'll a, look at the stats. Look at the person right now. I can see that person right there. Yeah, yeah. they've listened. They've got through. So, yeah, someone's scratching <laughs> his nose. Um, but no, thank you very much because I, I fundamentally believe in the importance of human engagements. Yep. Engagement. I've only ever done two interviews through Zoom, and I'm not doing any more. Yeah. Um, I believe in the long form conversation. Um, yeah, it doesn't have the sound bites and yeah. all of that, um, but it's here. And you know, I've built a catalogue and built a catalogue and built a catalogue, and it's. I find it fascinating how many people all of a sudden find me. I mean, it's like how many people ever actually actually watched the very first episode of Game of Thrones when it came out? No, yeah, they, they come in at you know episode three or four and then go back and binge. And it fascinates me when. I get a I get a call out from somebody and they said I've just found your podcast and I've just listened to the last 30 40 50 of them. Yeah. Said, Whoa. And and I've learned so much and I now know this and I now know that. And and that just lights me up cuz that's what this is all around. It's it's so powerful and if you you know some people will have and want the 5 10 minute piece. 100%. But if if you want to listen to that longer form piece and get behind someone I think this is brilliant. And, I too experienced something similar and I had someone come up to me uh, during one of my kids' uh, football training mm. sessions and he said, you're the most disappointing person I, I have seen this week. I, I looked at him, I've never met him, I'm going, what do you think? And it, and it had just been the episode had dropped on, on my podcast that it was our last episode oh, right. after four years broadcasting it, one every week and it was guaranteed and it was like, and he just said, I just found your podcast and, <laughs> and now you've stopped. just stopped so he's, he said, I've trailed back. He's gone back to, to number one yep. and he's listening right through the catalogue. He's got four years worth to get okay. through. But uh, I said, oh, mate, thank you for that. But, uh, but you're right. You, 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 when people do acknowledge it for what it is and w- what you're doing, um, you're doing it for a reason. Um, but also, too, I just think that you know, if you can get behind someone and it's not just that face value, you're mm. finding out a little bit more. I, I reckon it's so powerful. So uh, well done. Thank you. And if people want to come and find you? Uh, yeah, Nick at mediastable.com.au. Um, we're we're, we're Perth-based. Um, we're nationally focused as well. And uh, look, if uh, if they're an expert, a commentator, I know a lot of speakers and a lot of people listen to, to your program. Mm. So uh, no, definitely, um, if you've got an opinion and a view, uh, yes. it's a platform to share it from. Indeed. Nick, thank you very much for your time. Good on you, Bryn. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>